The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Theragun, and we have a winner in our Theragun contest. We'll tell you who and how we came up with them in the first couple of minutes of the podcast. There's no reason for me right here to get into it. Uh, because then I'll just be wasting your time because we're going to double up and do it in the podcast. Uh, I do have this, though, for you. Remember in how we started the interview with Dr. Jason Wurzland in our Theragun episode, episode 49, our interview with Jason at the Combine in Indianapolis, where I jokingly said, hey, it would be awesome if I could get a personalized Theragun. I was completely kidding because I didn't think that's like a thing that I could get. And Jason goes, I know a guy. And I was like, ah, that's funny. Like, thanks for humoring and not being like, you're a shameless fool which is what I was at the time, even if I was joking. Apparently, he wasn't, rumor has it. I've been told there was. there's one on the way. So make sure you stay tuned to Instagram, at Craig underscore Hoffman, at Trainer Gorez, and at Theragun. Um, and let's, let's see if this box that's apparently on its way finds its way to me. If it is, I'm going to be a happy camper because Theragun is awesome. Also, make sure you stay tuned to Instagram and to the pod. We have much more uh, in a partnership with Theragun coming. We're really excited to hammer out the details and share them with you, which will help have you have a Theragun coming to your house. So stay tuned for that. Uh, more to come. Uh, Train with the Best podcast starts right now. Finally, we are back for another edition of the Train with the Best podcast. It feels much longer than it's actually been since we recorded one of these. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to our buddy Jason Worsland yesterday, and it feels like Indianapolis was a year ago. Yeah. You and I have been traveling all over the place. We've yeah. been able to put out a couple of pods. I've, I have recorded some solo intros and ads <laughs> and all these yes. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, Great job, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I'm up. just proving, uh, despite what the narrative was in Indianapolis, I'm proving that I'm not replaceable. That's really all that was about. <laughs> um, but we, uh, you know, we're, we're back to record a live pod for the first time. We actually, I was thinking about this on the drive over. We have not recorded a live pod since Indianapolis. Yeah, that was the last time that I saw you. So it's been basically a month. And then you yeah. went to Europe. I went to Orlando. You've been back and forth to Richmond a ton. Yeah. Uh, your house is a war zone. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good way to describe it right there's, now. It's a war. There's it's so war much going on, but yeah. we are excited to get back. Um, now, before recording this podcast, we did indeed, speaking of Dr. Jason Worslin, founder of the Theragun, star of episode 49 of this fine program, uh, we did pick our winner for our Theragun giveaway, uh, and we used a very scientific process that I feel like we, we did. It was allow it was people to understand quite systematic. So what we did is we we did a random number generator uh -huh. on on Google from our friend J Lo over here at VTFC. So he uh, we gave him a random number between one and one twenty seven, which is with the amount of comments that was on my Instagram page. Uh -huh. We did a random number from one to fifty four, which is the amount of comments that was on your page. Yeah, we had two separate winners at that point. And then from there, you and I played odds and evens. We did. Yeah. And uh, I picked two, you picked two, which means the total was four. That's an even number. So our winner is? Our winner is Alex Hyman, who we actually, thanks to your ridiculous memory, yeah. realized we, we, we met once. Uh, he came to a presentation you gave at the works yep. uh, in Alexandria. So he's, he's local here in the D.C. area. But this is not – I was terrified that we were going to wind up like picking one of our friends yeah. because we were gonna, it was going to be random. If we knew the winner, we knew yep. the winner. But I, for, for the sake of appearance, like, oh, great, you, you guys had a, had a cool contest and you picked one of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, a lot of our friends did try to win. Uh, yep. this, we did they not did. eliminate anyone. This is – all, you know, this was all above board. And if someone that we knew won, they did. But it was not someone that we 
We know it was someone that we've met. That's right. Uh, and so Alex wins the Theragun. That's uh, right. So we will be sending that out to him as soon as we get his information. Uh, and we're excited to hopefully partner with Theragun in a continuing way and, and have some more news on that coming soon. Yeah. And uh, also do more giveaways of all kinds of things. We need to do more giveaways because with me cleaning out all the junk in my house, I realize that I've got a lot of stuff that I can give away. So so can we start with the Craig comes over and claims the things that no, he wants to give away? No, you already claimed a lot. <laughs> That's true. So, so let's, uh, let's give away. I, I know I've got... I know I've got like a set of hurdles. Oh, we actually need stuff. those in our gym. <laughs> Your gym can afford to buy some hurdles. That's true. Let's uh, we'll, we'll give away some hurdles, um, some cones, just, just some random stuff. I've got yeah. all kinds of random stuff. All, all the things that Skills has provided you over the years. Yes, and and other companies. Yeah. Yep. So all right, we'll uh, we'll do some more giveaways soon. Um, so stay tuned to Instagram at Craig uh, underscore Hoffman at Trainer Gores. And uh, we'll do more giveaways. Uh, for now, though, we do a podcast. And yeah. I guess we just go in chronological order. Yeah, so let's see what So happened. after you got back from Indianapolis. Uh, I had a few days to spend time with the kids, and then, and then yeah. it was off to Budapest. Yeah, so tell me about, so that was for Vertimax, um, and specifically uh, to, to train other trainers. Then I really want to dive in on the things you did over in England. Yeah. But let's start with Budapest. How was Budapest, which was a multilingual experience? Budapest was awesome. I... For, for lack of a better word, I was an idiot because I didn't have Budapest on my list of cities to visit in Europe. I think, like most people, I had Paris, London, Rome, Barcelona, Madrid, you know, and then and then you get to like Amsterdam and you know some of these other cities. Pick Budap- a city in Germany. Yeah, yeah, Budapest was not on my list of cities, and I was an idiot because after being there, I I really highly recommend it to everybody there's just there's a lot of culture there the people are friendly um there's a lot of great food a lot of good restaurants everything is right there downtown by the river so it was a really really cool experience i i uh i can't wait to go back actually that's awesome and the actual training experience of working with through a translator to this group of trainers yeah one what did you think of the trainers because i'm always interested you know a lot of times you've talked about how international trainers look to us in the U.S. Is they do. Kind of the, the standard setters. So what what was the level of the trainers over there, and, and how quickly were they able to learn and adapt, and, and also how did the language barrier work? Yeah, so the language barrier was tough because, you know, it's always I, – I feed off of the feedback, right? So, right, like, right, right. depending on how conversations are going, depending on how – the questions are being asked and all, and all these other things. Like I take it from from there, and, and I really try to personalize things just to them. I, I personalize education just the way I would personalize a workout for somebody. So um, w- without being able to feed off of that, I, I basically just try to take my best guess at what it is that I think these guys want to learn and girls, and you know, just feed it to them, and hopefully they they get something out of it. And it seemed like they did. It seemed like. They were, were able to take away the the key points from the Vertimax certification. They were able to take away some of the key ideas. And they were able to have some fun with it. I was able to demo some of the things that um, we use here. I was able to give them some ideas and some of the questions that, and modalities that they wanted to ask about. So it was really good. And and like you said, like part of it is because there's a big language barrier. And then part of it is because there is a value on the education from the quote-unquote American experts. So um, I was able to take a lot of pictures and stuff with, with people, and then about a week later, I'm getting pictures from, from the people over there that hit me up on WhatsApp, and they've got the pictures of, of me and them framed, and they've got their oh, certification wow. framed on the wall. And that's awesome because yeah. it, it, just, it just shows what kind of impact that we can have. 
Um, and, and, and again, it just, it just, um, helps me stay humble. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get big headed about that stuff. It just makes me realize that, wow, I can, I can play a small role in, in helping to enrich other trainers out there. So it was a really, really cool, cool experience. So how do most of these these guys over there find it? Is it just like they follow in Vertimax on Instagram? Yeah, they follow Vertimax and on Instagram. Like how, and how it. did Jesse come up with Jesse from Vertimax? How did she pick Budapest? Like, well, why, so it's why not there? it's not just that Jesse picked Budapest. It's just that it's that Budapest and London and some of these other distributors worldwide picked Vertimax and they want to be able to distribute Vertimax as a piece of equipment. And part of that is Vertimax as a company saying. You're not just going to sell our equipment. We're going to teach you how to use it, and that and that's going right. to be a joint play. It's not going to be just something where you keep ten units in stock or whatever it is. I don't know how these distribution contracts are right, written, right. but I know that it's more than just the distribution of the product. Now it's it's going out there and educating people and teaching them what what good training looks like with and without Vertimax, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Which brings us then to London. And yep. There you eliminate the language barrier, but you still are. Yeah. Uh, you you did one and perform better UK uh, Vertimax yep. certification, and so also these are f- to create certified trainers like I am, or to yeah, create so more two, master trainers. In the same, it was the same in Budapest and in London. So the first day was to create a set of master trainers that would go on and continue to teach certification courses and be able to answer questions for people over there because I can't be in Budapest fifty two weeks out of the year. Um, so the first day in, in London was a uh, master trainer certification. I think we had about 10 people for the master trainer. And so how did, how did people get in that class? Do they have to be identified? or? Yeah, they, they were identified. They were okay. chosen by Perform Better UK, okay. who is uh, – I, I, I can't say enough good things about that company. Yeah. And, and the company, um, our performance labs over in, in, in Budapest. I mean, both companies were just top, top class. I mean, they – they really were passionate about the business, really passionate about the education. You know, the Perform Better guys had all their salespeople coming in and doing the Vertimax because, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're going to sell this unit, you better know how to use it and what it's for and what it does and what it doesn't do. So right. I, was, I was really impressed by their entire staff, by entire company. So um, a couple of their guys were there for the master trainer certification, not to become a master trainer, but to be able to speak a little bit about, you know, how, how the Vertimax works and... and be able to answer questions and then the next day we open it up to a, another level of of trainers who just wanted to be certified trainers mm-hmm. yeah so at, at what's the difference i guess at this point the the, the master trainers in london versus like you and i think and the, well, and i think there's always going to be like a little separation between the first class of master trainers and then the the next wave um, but yeah, I mean, you guys created the thing in yeah, terms of the certification. Yeah, we created, we helped create the certification program. We helped create the curriculum. Um, you know, but but the, we need as a team for Vertimax to grow and for for other distributors to buy into Vertimax, they're going to need a team of trainers mm-hmm. that they can call on and trust that will be able to educate and answer questions and, and right. put on these workshops and things like that. So. Uh, it, it was overall a really good experience. I had a chance to, to meet a lot of really cool people in London as well. Um, learned a lot about cricket and rugby. Uh, learned a lot about sailing. So, so did you now watch a cricket match and understand I would not watch on? a two-week cricket match. But, but would you know uh, what was going on for the portion that you watched? Nope. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I, I, like, it's such a confusing sport. I don't know the rules of the game, but I can look at a fast bowler and and – Talk about the mechanics of fast bowling. Okay, so so I know I know that now from 
that's how I look at sports anyway is like I just look at the sports science side of it, look at the energy demands of the sport, yeah. look at the mobility, stability demands of the yeah, sport. Yeah, what's like, the ESD for a two-week-long match? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's quite different. But um learned a lot about rugby. Um, I was I was stuck. Believe it or not, I did not enjoy my – I don't say I didn't enjoy my time, but I did not want to be in Dublin for St. Paddy's Day. That was not something that I was yeah. planning on. I did get stuck there, so I, I made the, the most out of it and, and walked around the city. So I learned a lot about rugby that day, uh, in addition to working with some of the coaches. Um, but it, it was cool to be in Dublin on St. Paddy's Day on the day that Ireland won the Grand Slam of the Six Nations Cup. Cool. That's a lot about rugby that I know. <laughs> right. That that, that, yeah. that, uh, that yeah. I half understood. But, yep. I mean, it sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then I know I saw you went to Guinness, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I didn't really go to Guinness as much I as I walked by and asked somebody picture. took a picture. Yeah, I'm a very uh, I'm a very lightweight tourist. Yeah, you know I just kind of take a picture in front of something or snap a pic of it and then keep on See, walking another way. Yeah. I, I like want to go in and then I forget to take the picture. Yeah, yeah. Like even there. in London, I was like, oh cool, there's the London Bridge. Okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, and there's the Tower Bridge. Okay, let's go. So like, yeah, that's how I. Am. The Train with the Best podcast is powered by Super Coffee. I feel like we haven't shared the origin story for Super Coffee in a few podcasts. So let's remind you or initiate the new folks about our friends, the DeSico brothers. See, there are three of them. They were college athletes, all of them. One of them, the youngest brother, was getting very, very sleepy throughout the day. Very, very hard time for him paying attention in class because he'd have practice and study hall and class itself and this is bad news, and he didn't want to put the junk that's in energy drinks and all that kind of stuff in his body. So, being the healthy and intelligent young man that he was, he came up with something better right there in his dorm room. He took coffee, good coffee, organic coffee, mixed that with MCTs from coconut oil, and protein. Voila, Super Coffee was born. An episode of Shark Tank, a remake of the formula later, and we have the current version, sugar-free, available for you. And it's not only in Wawa, Wegmans, Whole Foods, and all these other retailers, fine, fine retailers, if I do say so myself, it's available online, drinksupercoffee.com, and it's half off. Yes, half off. The code for half off is train with the best. Just enter that code at checkout, and it's coming right to your house. Half off. What could be better? The answer is nothing. So go right now to drinksupercoffee.com. The code is train with the best. We're not drinking the other coffees anymore, and we're certainly not buying our super coffee without that code. The really cool thing in London that you did was work with these high-level soccer yeah. clubs. So tell me about that so it was Tottenham and so we didn't get a chance to do much with Arsenal because they actually okay. had a game that day they okay. had they had uh, did you get to Europa go to the League. game yeah I did go to the game which okay. was awesome so it was a Europa, Europa League Cup game or Europa Cup game whatever it was it was against AC Milan so the atmosphere was oh, wow crazy you know all the they, they let all the Italians into the stadium first and they take up their section and then all the all the the English come in and they and then take up the rest of the stadium so it was it was a decent match, um, but it was just cool to be in the stadium, and just taking that atmosphere. I can cross what, it off the list. What um what does it compare to? I know Europa League might be a little different than an EPL or whatever. It's, atmosphere, I mean, but like it's not like because have you been to EPL still, games before? No, I've not that? been to an EPL game in an EPL stadium. So okay. that was still technically not an EPL game. But it's as close as you've but been. like it's 
it's an EPL stadium with an EPL team, a top-notch EPL team, right. a top-notch Italian European team. team. Yeah. yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, I can cross off the list. I can right. say that I've done well, it. Like, what does it compare to atmosphere-wise? College football, the NFL, like, what Ooh. is it from an intensity and, um, or is it not, is it not comparable? It is not comparable. Because? It's like, all right, like, think about this, like. When Alabama plays Auburn, right? Like, how crazy is it at at the stadium? It's but nuts. It's nuts. If they're playing, like, your Division One AA team that they're going to slaughter by 50 points, is not it still nuts. the same atmosphere? No. No, no, it's not. So this cup, because Arsenal was in a down year or whatever, right? They're not in Champions League. They're in this other Europa Cup or whatever. Yeah. The – it, it it would be the equivalent of like Alabama playing a one double A team, meaning it's okay. not that important. And even then, the crowd is still more crazy than I've ever seen. That's pretty cool, right? So so for like like even even the the people in the stands and everybody was telling me like, hey, you know this 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 game is not a really good game to watch because it's just Europa League. Yeah. But even then, like the fans are screaming and chanting, and they're all in unison, and like it's That's crazy. Dope. So. For, for for to see that type of passion in a game that quote unquote didn't matter as much as maybe a, a Champions League game, uh, I mean I can't even imagine what a Champions League game would look like. Yeah, no, that'd be amazing. All right, so that was your Arsenal trip. So did you get to work more intensely with Tottenham? Yeah, I did. So okay. I, I worked with their whole staff over there, kind of showed them a couple of different things and, and gave them some different ideas on how to use the Vertimax. Um, it was really cool to see their weight room yeah. without any squat racks. Oh. I've never seen a weight room that big with that much equipment that didn't have squat racks. And the reason Arsenal is very different. Arsenal yeah. has the squat racks and the gym and wear stuff, so they, they do all the VBT stuff. Um, you know, where Tottenham, they do a lot of the Desmotech stuff, the eccentric training stuff. Okay. And they do a lot of the, uh, uh, obviously, the cable-driven stuff. Um, they still have, like, some blocks, some power blocks, but no squat racks. So it was that was cool to see. And I had always talked about... I talk to to like Gucci about this all the time. Like, you kind of when you build a when you build a facility, you put the squat racks in there because that's what people expect to see. They expect to see platforms. They expect to see squat racks because that's what makes a strength and condi- conditioning facility. But like, you don't really use the squat rack that much, right? Like, we don't u- we use a squat rack, but not that much. It's not. I like, use squat racks for not squatting a lot too. Like well, you don't use like, it for curls. We don't do that. But no, like, no, no, not for yeah. curls. But I'm talking about like some of the movement stuff that we've done and yeah. things like that, where it's like, okay, the barbell or like I've been big on isometrics lately. Like, but pushing yeah. into the rack and like, so at yep. technically like this, you could do that in another place. But to actually squat, I don't, I don't do back squat. Yeah, I mean, we like our our heavy back lifts squat. are heavy deadlifts, heavy yeah. RFE. I mean, when we do a squat, we'll do a, like an earthquake squat, but. I don't use squat racks that much, and if I if I had like a if I had to budget it, then the squat racks would come out from a functionality standpoint, just because they're so expensive and we don't use them that much. Yeah, I mean we're we're blessed enough to have them, but to see Tottenham that doesn't have a budget and they decided to just go ahead and say we're taking all the squat racks out and we're replacing it with Desmatech and with Vertimax and with all the 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 other stuff that that we know. Um, the, the football players want to use. Sorry, soccer players want to use. Um, I think it was. I think it was really cool. And then, and then 
a lot of the players are starting to buy into that as well. So a lot of the players are ordering Vertimaxes for their home gyms and things like that. Mm-hmm. So so it was really cool to see their facility and share some ideas with them. And so while I was in there, I was I was doing my thing and I'm I'm not the best at knowing who all these people are. Like if if the head coach of Tottenham walks in, I don't yeah. know who that is. I don't right. even really know what his name is or the general manager or whatever. They did walk in. They yeah. saw what I was doing. I didn't know who it was. I'm just doing my thing. Um, at the end of it, though, the the guy who brought me there, um, he, he pulled me aside. His name is Gary. And Gary said, hey, I don't know if you know who it was, but the head coach and the GM just walked in. They loved what you did, and they're going to start using that tomorrow for, <laughs> for, for their warm-up. What were – oh, so it was the was it the Vertimax? No, it wasn't. It was, okay. a, it was a different little – some of it was in there, but I showed them a couple of different other things, too. Um, so they started using that. Obviously, they're a good team, so it's not because of anything that I did with the warm-up, but they won their next two or three matches in a row. So it's not because of me, but it's cool, yeah. to, it's cool to see that, like, oh, wow, they're using, they're using the warm-up that I taught them. So it's kind of cool. That's really dope. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested, obviously, in the exchange of ideas because you're talking about some of the best trainers in the world over there, obviously. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're obviously world class as well with some of the, the people that you've been able to work with and learn from and all that kind of stuff. I know that comment makes you uncomfortable, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> so what what were some of the things you guys talked about? And, and now now you can share that knowledge with us, hopefully. You know, like a, a lot of them, they, they wanted to come and they wanted to watch like NFL training. Because they look at the NFL athlete and they're like, Julio Jones, they don't even believe that he's human. <laughs> right? And well, in a lot of ways, I still don't yeah, maybe I, even Julio believe Julio's a bad example because he's actually an yeah, alien but from outer space. but that's what they see. They see that and <laughs> no, they're like, he's, he's oh incredible. my God, how is right. a guy that's that tall, that big, that fast, can jump that high? Like, that's not something that we see over here right. in, in the soccer world. So, you know, they, they, they ask a lot of questions about that and just the differences between you know, training in the off season over there versus training in the off season over here. A football off season is a very long off season. Over there, an off season is like a month, two months, yeah, the most, a couple of months. Yeah. So there's a lot of different exchanges of ideas, and you know how how to use um, this and that. And I think the the biggest thing that that we're going through right now is we have all this data, and they track all this data. They track everything. They track every workout. They track every kilometer that you run, every weight that you lift. And it's, it still goes back to, okay, we have all this data, but how do we make it usable? How do we apply this? How do we create a workout that is based in science, but also stuff that people are going to buy into? Because the most important thing that you have in a workout is buy-in. If the guys don't buy into what you're doing, they're not going to give you full effort. And, and then that just kind of throws your sports science out the window because you're, you're relying on maximum effort or, or whatever it is that you're, you're choosing to do that day. So, you know, it, it always comes back to that and it always comes back to, okay, now how do we create this for, you know, a, a group of 24 guys, right? Because we don't have 24 trainers. We don't have 24 Vertimaxes. Right. We do this. So it's, it's, it always comes down to, okay, how do, we, how do we scale this? How do we create an experience? How do we make it usable? How do we create buy-in, and then how do we how do we blend that with the sports science side and what we know about high velocity training and, and horizontal loading and you know all these other things. So, what were some of the things on the buy-in side that you 
said, hey, try this. You know, these are things that worked for us. These these are the things that we try to aim. I'm sure that some of the stuff that we talked about over the yeah, I think, 50 episodes of this podcast. I think I think number one is keeping keeping the reps high intensity and low volume, right? And then and then getting them into game like movements as quick as possible. So if you're going to break down a movement, break it down, but then you make sure that you reconnect it to whatever movement that they would actually make on the field, right? So like on a recovery day, we're doing Turkish get ups. Because I, I feel like Turkish get-ups is, is a good shoulder stability, mobility, hip mobility move. Um, we're not doing something like that when it comes to like a speed or a heavy lift day. Because guys are, gonna see, guys are going to have a hard time connecting that to an actual game movement. Right. Like a Turkish get-up doesn't look like anything that you would do. I don't know. Soccer any, players fall down a lot. In any game. Well, that's a different story. But... Um, <laughs> You know, so so when you are, especially using the Vertimax, if you are going to break it down into like a single action movement or a broad jump or, or a lateral bound or something like that, you also have to start connecting it to what it would look like in an actual game, like movement, do three or four high quality reps, and then get them into what, whatever they would do. So I think I think the, the, the big thing was like, make sure that the quality is high, the intensity is high, and the volume is low and short so that they can get into um, the stuff that they like doing, the stuff that they want to do, which is play soccer. Yeah. No, I actually had that in the same way with professionals as with kids. I had a session last night with a couple of basketball players, and uh, they're you know, 13, 14 years old, and eventually one of them looked at me and goes, so we're going to use a ball today? Because yeah. every other session, or most every other session, we've done something with a ball, some kind of skill work, and it's like, right. hey, we're going to do something that's boring, wall drill or whatever. Right. And, but I'll, like, I'll let you have fun at some point. And they got to a point in the workout where they're like, we haven't done anything fun yet. I yeah, yeah. Something fun. Can we please do something fun? Yeah. And so they were doing like a five-minute AMRAP, but I just gave them a ball. And it's like, all right, you're going to do crunches, and you're going to hold like crunches with the ball sure. on this end, and you're going to do body weight squats, except we're going to make them ball weight squats. Yep. And you're going to dribble back and forth as you run up and down in between. Yep. It's like it's something. They have a ball. It's, something. it's more fun than yeah, just running t- back and we, forth. We talked and about that. We talked aimlessly. about we talked about how to implement the ball and when to implement the ball into drills using the Vertimax. And yeah, you know, we talked about all those things. I won't give away everything that we did because, out of respect to them, that was something that was for them. And yeah, I'm not going to talk about what we talked about. But but yeah, it was it was cool to be able to share ideas with them and and bounce different philosophies and methodologies off yeah, of each other for sure. And then your flight got delayed and you went to Dublin and uh, yeah. And then you eventually came home, and have you done anything fitnessy since then? Um, or have you just been I running around do, your house? I like did a crazy do like person? a little mentorship. Well, like Onyx did a little mentorship for for Maya and her, and her trainers over at the works. Oh yeah, so that's they right. they came down to Richmond for a day, and then I ended up going to their facility. So they came down on Saturday. We did a little workshop for them, and then I went to their facility on Sunday to wrap everything up, answer whatever questions that I could answer. And I think that that was a really good way for. Um, Maya to just kind of up the level, up the up the game a little bit for for her trainers and show them kind of what's out there and give them a little bit of education and give them like some solid usable answers and things that they could apply the next day, not just right. like sports science and it's like oh wow, well, how do I use this now? Right, you know? right. Um, and then for me, I went to Orlando. That was my trip, and it actually was funny because I wound up putting out the podcast with Lorenzo. 
right. Uh, right as all that was happening and all the rule changes got voted on. And I was actually there. It was kind of a cool meeting to sit in on. Yeah. So you get down to Orlando, or I got down to Orlando for the NFL owners meetings on a Monday. And it was four hours after landing, I'm getting the alert to check into my flight to go home, which is always <laughs> a terrific feeling. Yeah. Um, especially when it's sunny and beautiful and you just left <laughs> a snowstorm. Um, but so the, one of the first things I went to was the officiating meeting. And so Al Riveron, who's a former official, right. is now the NFL's head of officials, gets up there and it's like, all right, we're going to show you what a catch is now. And they pull up the Des Bryant thing. And it's like, this is a catch now. Pull up the Jesse James right. play. This is a catch now. They pull up another play. This is a catch and a fumble, not an incompletion. Oh, okay. And so you get to like watch the video and kind of get a little bit of a peek behind the scenes. And Rich McKay, who's the head of the NFL's competition committee, is there. Right. And it's like all this stuff that we had talked about with Zoe a couple weeks earlier, but yeah. we had just put it out. So it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and then the NFL apparently agrees with me that pass interference should still be a... They still want more points scored. I mean, Of course. Of course they're going... I just want defenders to find the ball. And now I can say that without fear of being tackled by a large NFL <laughs> linebacker. Zoe did kind of give you a hard time that day. Zoe was I, killing I remember me. talking to him. I was like, Zoe, you can't go at Craig like that. He was like, why? What did I do? See, Zoe doesn't realize he's doing that. <laughs> Because he's just Zoe. He just shut me yeah. down. To, to him, to him, he doesn't realize that he's 6'3 and, and 250 pounds. Oh, it's not pounds. The I know Zoe's but not I'm just saying, like, when, me. I know that, but I'm just saying when Zoe gets into it, like, he's pretty intense. And if you don't yeah. know if you don't know that about him, you're like, oh, my God, this dude's attacking me. And I'm just, like, sitting back, like, here, here he goes. Because I'll be honest with you, like, he's done that to Mila when we're playing apples to apples. <laughs> like, we've played apples to apples, and he's gone at Mila like that. And Mila's like... But we're just used to it. Like, we're, we know right. Zoe. Like, that's how yeah, it no, is. So I mean, it's all I, good. I know him at this point that it's nothing personal. And it, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> but, you know, there is the – like, it, it is frustrating when it's the I play you don't card. And it's like – No, yeah. he wasn't saying like that. But it's also like, oh, but no, he was because he's like, I'm out there. I'm playing defense. You just want me to be hopeless? I'm like, no, I don't want you to be hopeless. I want you to play legal defense. Well, I, w- I will say this, that, like, a lot of the rules are bent in the offensive Absolutely. favor. Everybody, everybody knows that because if we were if we were going to make it fair, then offensive pass interference would result in an automatic turnover and and the defense gets the ball on the spot. Well, that's not really how that uh, is kind of what you're saying though. Is like if if the defensive if the if the defender interferes with the offensive guy. We're assuming that that guy would have made the catch and he gets the ball in the spot. Yeah. So on offensive pass interference, which happens, intentional OPI happens, the defense doesn't get the ball at the spot. Yeah. I mean, there's a change of possession argument to be made, but that is an interesting way to think about it. It's, yeah, it's a lot just, closer. It's a lot yeah. closer to being true than I initially wanted to give it credit for. I'll give you that much. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's. You know, but that so the NFL has another meeting in May where they're going to vote on some of that stuff. I don't see them line. changing it. Not I don't. I don't think that they will. They still want points on the board. I mean, um, I, the the helmet thing is interesting for sure. That's to me. so. When I first saw that, the the initial reaction is always just going to be okay. Well, let's just see how they enforce this because that could literally be called on every play, just yeah. like holding. It could yeah. be called on every play. There's, that, there's helmet contact that happens initially. For me, the, the thing that I want out of the game, and I'm hoping this rule helps with, and if it results in ejections, then so be it, um, which I'm typically anti that because I realize how big of an effect losing a key player has on the game. Uh, and I fully anticipate DJ Swearinger for the Redskins getting ejected in a game I covered this year, um, if that's the case. But, like, you just take the kill shots out. Like, the point of the, the – point. There, there is a, an element of football that absolutely is about establishing physicality and things like that, yep. and and big hits are a part of that, and guys, not wanting guys to come over the middle or to think twice about throwing over the top or whatever it may be. 
But the point is to either dislodge the ball from the man or get the guy down. It is not to hurt him. And so there are times where defenders are so egregiously going for kill shots, and it's like, what are you doing? Like that, there, there's a respect that the game's supposed to be played with that that crosses and violates, mm-hmm. and it's tough because sometimes it happens split decision, and something that looks like a kill shot was meant to be a dislodged man from the ball, and it's really tough because this game is played so quickly. But the kill shot that ends in the concussion that changes the guy's life—that's the one that needs to go, and I'm cool with it if, if, if legislating that out of the game. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, but it is part of the game. It's it has a, been part of the it, game. It has been, and it's like when, when you're a receiver catching a slant coming downhill, you know you're going to get hit. It's not It's not like, but to me, oh, my not, God, I can't, not, I can't believe about, he hit It's me. not about the result of the game. It's about the result of the guy's life. And, like, that's what the NFL is trying to help. And, like, once you zoom out and go – uh, I get I, it, but but all right. Let me just put you in the defenders. Like, let me put you in DJ Swearinger, or let me put you in somebody else who just got off of practice squad is trying to make a team, and now he gets out there. Now you're gonna find him a game check, a game check and inject him, and now all he's doing is making a play on the football. Like these things happen in the blink of an eye. So for somebody to get ejected on a blink of an eye play, I I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't, don't either. Know that that's, but I, I understand them trying to make a defender think like that because sometimes you're just beat, right? Like sometimes you, you just have to go, I, this guy's going to catch the ball, he's going to make the play, and I'm not going to end his life. Like that's what the NFL is trying to accomplish. And I'm at the end of the day, is it unfair to defenses? Yes, absolutely. 100%. But it, A, is going to like you're looking at less concussions and less things like that. But, and you're also looking at less things like what happened to Ryan Chazier. And that's what the NFL is trying well, to accomplish. Well, okay, but the thing, what happened to Ryan Shazier was a freak accident. That wasn't that wasn't even a penalty. Like, you can't look at that play and say, you would have called a flag on anything right. that, that happened I, on that. He was the guy that I was play. thinking of, but there are other plays like that where defenders get hurt, yeah, too. Yeah, there, there are, but, but there are also, like, now you're penalizing the defense and defensive player for something that may have been bad technique. Maybe that's a ball that shouldn't have been thrown. You know what I mean? So, like, so now sure. we're bailing out the – like – if you're going to find – like, we don't find the quarterbacks for a bad throw. He should have never made that throw. Now, all of a sudden, he's jeopardizing the safety of his offense. So, like, we could play this game all the way down to whether or not that quarterback should have thrown that ball. so Or whether or not you maybe even should have called that play in that tight window knowing that it's coming. So, like, if we're talking about it's not worth the, the player's life, okay, well, why are we asking the defense – to, to take that responsibility. Maybe right. maybe we should say, okay, well, you're not allowed to throw over the middle of the field from 10 to 15 yards. No, That's a no-throw zone. That would be ridiculous if we said that. Right. right? So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't just put it all on the defensive player to say, hey, it, it's me to – it's my responsibility to keep this game safe. Right? Like, Lorenzo talks about this all the time, even on the defensive side, right? Because defensive players get cut, and this happens on offense too. Like, they take, they take dirty hits, they take blindside blocks. We've had to take blindside blocks out of the game and stuff like that. Or if you hit somebody coming across the game, grain, or if you hit somebody on the opposite way of the line of scrimmage, that's a penalty now. Right. right? So they, they've taken and I think that. It should be. Because, and it, and it should like, be. if you're, all you've got to do is get in the guy's way, you don't have to blow him up. Yeah, but they're they're okay. So they're like all those you, kill shots. So instance, like, if you're coming, for, if I'm a receiver, if I if I'm a receiver and I run a 15 yard comeback, and then the quarterback starts scrambling, and now I see that linebacker closing in on my quarterback, I you better believe I'm going to try to blow that guy up. I'm not going to just get in the way. Like the Juju Smith Schuster play. Yes. Right. Like we all enjoyed that because Vontae's perfect is dirty as hell, and like but seeing Vontae f- get blown up was kind of fun. Yeah. But 
it to me like he didn't have to do that. All he had to do was get in his way, and Vontez Perfect is not. You don't have to. But, you don't have to drive. But again, but again, to, so to, in the smithereens again. But so so now, here's the point. The point is, Juju Smith is now going to get penalized because Vontez didn't keep his head on a swivel. Because Vontez should have had his head on a swivel. Right, we, but again, my, my point is, does, is the point to get in his way so he can't make a play, or is the point to destroy him? I mean, it's kind of both. It that, ha- that in the history the of the game, it has been both. I don't think it needs to be both, and we can and see the, a safer version of what will still always be a violent game. Like, I, I understand it's not foolproof, but I think better is something we should strive for. Yeah, I... I hear what you're saying. I'm just, I just, it's hard. It's hard to imagine that Vontez Burfitt play or Juju Smith. Like, it's hard to imagine him pulling up because l- let's say he does pull up, and then Burfitt does make the play on the quarterback. Guess, guess who's gonna get a minus? On, like, right. But I'm saying instead of instead of lowering your shoulder into his chest and and decleating him, just block him. Like, may, engage. No, you know, but get like, in the way or just like you kind of jump into him a little bit. You don't I, even have to yeah, blow but, him up. I get it. But I don't think that any of these things are malicious. Like these things happen because they happen. They don't happen because like Juju Smith said, if I get a chance, I'm going to try to kill Burfick. Like No, but when not, you saw Burfick running with the blind side when it's that dude and those teams in particular. Obviously, there's his, there's history in between those teams. But, but again, like what, what I'm saying is like. Zoe talks about this all the time for, for, for guys that are trying to get through the gap on an outside zone run. If you're trying to get through the gap and, you're, and you've got good technique, you're safe, right? But if you have terrible technique, then you are going to get caught up and you might, you might get caught and you might get cut because you had bad technique. Mm-hmm. So, so are we going to penalize the offense because the defense had bad technique, right? So right. Are, are we, are we going to – now we're penalizing, in, in some cases, the defense because the offense made a bad throw. You know right. what I mean? So, so like it, it's it's hard to say. And, and now we're talking about automatic ejection. Now we're automatically ejecting a guy. And I'm not talking about a DJ Swearinger. I'm talking about a Monte Nicholson or a guy that's coming off a practice squad. You you know the guys better than I do. Yeah. I'm talking about that third or fourth DB that's trying to make the team next week. Right. Like he's not going to let that play go. He's gonna he's gonna try to make a play on the ball and make. And you don't know these things happen so fast. It's it's easy to look yeah, at it when that's it's the super hard, slow that's motion. That's the hardest part. And say, it? oh, he could have held up. Yeah, but that happened in literally the blink of an eye. Right. You don't you don't know if the guy's gonna if the guy's not gonna see you if he's gonna make the snag and run around you or, or, or spin off of you. You know you don't know what, what's gonna happen. So yeah, you could start slowing up, but then at the at the very last second that guy sees you. Now he's blowing you up. You know what right. I mean? So so like it, it's hard to say. It's a really hard situation. I, it I is. like and like I said, I hear what you're saying, and there has to be more discussions. But yeah, I, I don't think that an automatic ejection in what you see in college football, because I've seen some automatic ejections for things that are pretty ridiculous in college I, football. I agree. And so here, here would be my thing if I'm the NFL. I would want a one or two year study. Like make it a penalty, make it 15 yards, and let's study how how many how often it happens how often would we be ejecting people and right. also by flagging it you give players a chance to adjust and in between year one this is why you do a two-year study at least yeah so you, between year one and year two you give those players a chance to adjust and say like look this was a flag this is going to be a flag we're going to give you another year of flags and then next year we're going to start ejecting you and see if see if players adjust and if they if it's something that does reduce the number of those kinds of penalties then Okay, then then maybe we can start doing that. I get if it. if it's 
if it's something where it just proves unavoidable, that's that's really tough to start ejecting if it, people. If it's uh, if if you want to, it do needs that, to be studied. Basically, my, my, yeah. It's and if you're gonna study it, then study it. So take right. it further than that. Don't just stop it. Like, hey, if we're gonna penalize the guys, start thinking about whether or not you're gonna find quarterbacks for throwing dangerous passes. Yeah, that. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It makes, that's what I'm saying. I understand your point. But, but, but what I'm saying is if it's truly about the safety of the game, if that's what you're saying, it's truly about the safety of the game, and a quarterback has a history of throwing dangerous passes where his guys get hurt, that's got to be something that you look at. Yeah. Because if the guy's going to continue to lob passes over the middle or throw into the flat against the cover two, like that's not the defense's fault. You're putting the defense in a bad position. All that guy is doing is his job. You know what I mean? So, right, and I guess so, what the NFL's so, counter would be is of course, we're trying to change the definition of what your job is. And yeah. sorry, sorry, it sucks for you, but like we're trying not to get sued for a billion dollars again. I, okay, I get it, but let's <laughs> like let's, say, let's be really transparent I, about I, what this is about. I understand, but let's say let's say even if my intentions are good, if trying to save dudes' heads, I get it. But let's say it's, it's fourth quarter. It's fourth and it's fourth and three. The, the Dallas Cowboys are going for it in the NFC Championship game against the Redskins. They throw into the flat on cover two, and the guy just lets him catch it because that's not his job anymore. It's hard to say that. I'm hey, just well, saying that. So, find a way to make the play without leading with your head. <laughs> I, I get it. That's, that's what they want, and I, it's, it's tough. It's hard. <laughs> that, and that's it, why it, I say it's going to be it interesting fundamentally to see changes the way the game. that – it's going to be interesting to see the way that it's legislated because yeah. I, guarantee, I guarantee you if it if it's Josh Norman out in the flat and they're throwing it out to Zeke Elliott on a cover two and Josh blows it up the way that he's supposed to blow it up or or he lets it go because that's the new game and he yeah. lets it go and then you know Dallas drives down the field and scores a touchdown to eventually win the game or they're pushing them in, the field, in field goal position to kick the game-winning field goal because they were down by two. A Redskins fan is going to be like, "Hey, you right. know what? Josh is just looking out for Zeke's health." Right? No, heck no, no. heck no. You know, you know what the fans are going to be like in this city. Yeah, of course. And I, here would be my advice for any defender in any of these situations: wrap up. You never get called for anything if you wrap up. It's the way. Like you, you make a perfectly lean, clean shoulder to shoulder hit. You're probably going to get flagged. You wrap up and lead with the crown of your helmet. You're probably going to get away with it. It's just how the the refs see it. Um, it's it's a bizarre thing. It's something that needs to be studied, and uh, I guess we'll we'll see over the next couple of weeks how that plays out when they meet again in May. Uh, so that was my Monday. Uh, that was a nice <laughs> yeah. little sidebar. Uh, and then uh, Tuesday had the coaches' breakfast in the morning, which is awesome. Uh, the Redskins actually are going to build out a new facility. I would actually love to get Chad Englehart on the pod um, and, and yep. talk about the new facility that they're going to build um, for recovery, which is which is dope. Yep. Uh, and then I worked out at the Ritz Gym, which was pretty sweet nice. down there in Orlando. Rigged up a Smith machine for some Nordics. Felt pretty <laughs> proud of myself for my ingenuity there. Had a, nice. Another you guy gotta go, go lap pool. Lap pool. Lap pool benches are the best for Nordics. Yeah, I don't know if they had one. They had some weird. It was like all techno gym, which is not a like I know the techno gym skill mills. Yeah. But I'm not used to techno gyms like cable equipment. So yeah. I was yeah they very, had a bunch. Yep. I was like oh but you guys have barbells and dumbbells. I know how to use those. <laughs> um so. Typically stayed on that. Yep. Uh, that was a good time. Had a had a random dude be like, "You look like you know what you're doing." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it must be the Onyx shirt that I'm wearing." <laughs> uh, so that was a good time. And then I and then I came back and I was it was 75 and sunny and like a literal perfect day Tuesday in Orlando. And I get out of the terminal at or at uh, at Reagan Airport here in D.C. 
and there's a pile of snow on the ground that hasn't oh melted God. yet, and I was just furious. We had snow the week before spring break. They're calling for snow again this Saturday. Yeah. It's freaking stupid. Yeah. No, no <sighs> me gusta. Yeah. So uh, for right now, though, I believe that is that is all the catch-up that we have to do. Yep. Um, we got some cool stuff coming up. Uh, we are going to have a sleep expert on the pod. Um, it, we've been trying to get that scheduled. And ours, it's been our fault. They have been amazing. The folks at Bedgear have reaching out and being like, hey, can we do this? When? Um, so our sincere apologies to Marissa and Holly over at Pedgear for us being a disaster. Uh, we will have that pod coming up soon. Uh, we also were scheduled to have Jimmy DeSico for, and maybe a couple of his brothers on from Super mm-hmm. Coffee. Um, and that scheduling became a mess, too. So that I believe Jimmy's back in the next week or so. So we're going to try to record that here soon. But we'll have uh, the long awaited Super Coffee pod coming up very shortly. Uh, there's some other athletes running around, uh, so we'll, we'll see about getting some of those guys back, yep. gals back on the pod uh, or on the pod for the first time. So got a bunch of good stuff. We're also due for another Q&A. So as always, send those, those questions in on Twitter, at TrainerGores, at Craig Hoffman, on Instagram, at TrainerGores, at Craig underscore Hoffman. Again, congrats to Alex for winning the Theragun. Uh, stay tuned, of course, for more from Theragun. We're excited to partner with them. Always use the discount code at drinksupercoffee.com. Uh, any other bills we have to pay? That is it. That is it. All right. Uh, welcome back. Yes. Good to be back. Yes, sir. Uh, so we'll see you next week, we hope, for another edition of the Train with the Best Podcast.